Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danka, Bharati Jagdish and Ryan Huang with you. Hope your Thursday's going off to a good start. It's time now for Why It Matters. You know, COVID-19 obviously disrupted a lot of our lives. And we also see people turn the crisis into opportunity by using it to reskill and upgrade themselves. Yeah, some of them doing it out of necessity because they've lost their jobs and they need to pivot. Others doing it as a matter of choice. It's been found that more Singaporeans have tapped professional conversion programs last year to learn new skills and switch careers amid a weakened hiring market, of course, due to the pandemic. Workforce Singapore tells The Straits Times that some 6,270 professionals, managers, executives and technicians joined such programs last year. This is a jump of 40 one percent from 2019 yeah but despite the countless efforts by singaporeans to reskill the question is will it be enough to fill the skills gap issues that we're facing right now let's see if we can get some answers from frank ku head of talent solutions for asia at linkedin frank good morning how you doing good morning Elliot. i'm great and i'm great to be here today excellent stuff so let's see if we can uh, dive into these issues First and foremost, could you set the stage for us? Post-COVID-19, or now that we're entering this endemic phase, what is the job scenario looking like here in Asia-Pacific? Well, the pandemic has greatly disrupted the job scenario when it started about 18 months ago. And overall, what we're seeing is really a widening gap between jobs that have been lost and jobs that are created, especially during the recent few months. And this is a result of a huge shift of industry trends from impacted industries and then with jobs moving onto uh, the growth industries. Uh, for instance, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we are seeing uh, a widespread layoffs for, for industries that are struggling to stay afloat. But recently, as the pandemic progresses, we are seeing new job opportunities emerging from sectors that have adapted as well as remained very, very resilient. And, and across APEC, what we are seeing is job posting recovery across many, many different sectors on our platform. For instance, we're seeing strong growth sectors in consumer goods, uh, possibly due to economies taking headway with a COVID-19 recovery, and also increasing consumer confidence. Uh, there are other sectors like media and communications have been growing as a result of a growing appetite for digital content amongst consumers. And also, in particular, the real estate sector has been remaining very, very resilient during the whole pandemic. And on the um, workers' front, we are seeing more workers now more likely to switch roles than before. And this is very, very different from what we are seeing at the beginning of COVID when the share of workers changing jobs actually dropped close to half, close to 50%, as people want to maintain job security and also sheltering in their jobs, so to speak. But now we're seeing more workers shifting, more particularly from what we call non-emerging roles to emerging roles. And just to give you an example, Elliot, we see about 54% of people who who have moved into data-related or digitally-related professions that have come from non-data or digital-related roles before. So overall, I believe the, the key challenge really is to ensure that workers pick up skills that they need to pivot their career 
and also to ensure that on the employer side, they are more willing to hire workers based on skills instead of past experience or even education qualifications. Mm. Or even age, I'm sure, because that used to be a problem. I feel like it continues to be somewhat of a problem, but perhaps more employers are becoming open to that, being less ageist in their selections as long as the person has the requisite hard and soft skills. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, for our data, we are seeing uh, what we call perennials that have access to new roles. Now, perennials are people who have been in the workforce for a while. They have adapted well. They have a growth mindset. They are willing to pick up new skills and pivot their career. And this augurs well for people who are, you know, what we what we used to call mature workers. We hope to call them wise workers or perennials. And they are doing well in terms of their skill search, as a, as a, the job search, as well as converting the profession from the impact industries or non-emerging roles to emerging roles. Mm. But Frank, it's also an ecosystem that we're looking at, right? At the end of the day, you talk about perennials or or mid-career switch or or, or people willing to upgrade themselves. There also has to exist an environment where they're encouraged to do so and things are made a little bit easier for them to do so. Are we seeing this switch on the employer's side? Oh, yes, indeed. In fact, during the pandemic, we're seeing a huge proportion of employers looking at upskilling and reskilling their own workforce, first of all, and at the same time, using skills as a key criteria to bring in a talent that helps them to transform their own organization. So for instance, we're seeing close to half of our companies focusing on skills and in fact, increasing their budget for training and development to upskill their internal workforce. But I think looking forward, we see that uh, there's a need to ensure that our business leaders in Singapore have a mindset shift to focus on continuing to build up the skills within the the current workforce so that they can become relevant as the organisation moves forward. Mm, Okay. The thing is, Frank, in spite of upskilling and reskilling and people being more willing to pivot and actually going ahead to pivot, there is still a skills shortage, isn't there? Give us an idea of the magnitude of this at this point in Singapore. Yeah, in fact, on LinkedIn platform, we are seeing a huge skills gap that's appearing. Now, I'll just give you an example, right? We are seeing, you know, the, the, the big demand and supply gap for open roles in areas like cybersecurity and fintech. Now, in fintech in particular, we are seeing that, you know, we have about close to 6.5 thousand roles open this year alone in 2021. But as of now, more than a quarter of these roles are still unfilled. And at the same time, there, there are other roles like, for instance, software engineering, where there is a huge talent gap, open roles on LinkedIn platform, but fewer applicants. And at the same time, the companies are increasingly finding it difficult to get the talents they need at the time that they want to bring them in. So we do still have a huge skills gap in Singapore, which we will need to address over time. But it's beyond, this skills gap is beyond just, is it a case of just people not willing to try? I mean, you you did mention there are people who are willing to, you know, make that change, go to re-educate themselves. Is it a lack of access to education, if I might put it that generally, or a lack of willingness? I I think it's on on both sides. First of all, the workers, first of all, must be uh, willing and ready to pick on new skills. 
Right. Some some people, you know, really what you, what we call resting on the laurels at yeah. the moment. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we, we need to change. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, it is. It's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. It's, it really uh, requires people to stretch outside the comfort zone yeah. Yeah. to pick up new skills for them to be employable. Right. At the same time, the employers also need to be mindful that, you know, they would not have be able to hire someone who is, you know, what they, they used to want to, to be plug and play, right? Mm. On the, ready to go, to go, ready to start on day one, right? Times are different because job roles have changed. Even with the, the same job title, the underlying skills have changed. And therefore, employers need to think about hiring based on a, a basic complementary skill sets and be ready to develop the skills further so that even the new talents or existing talents in the organization can be ready all the time. At the same time, I think our government is doing a great job in providing support for both employers as well as job seekers to help bridge the skills gap. But I think uh, most importantly is really back to the workers as well as employers to have a change of mindset to address this ever-growing problem in Singapore. The thing is, you know, we've been talking about skills upgrading, upskilling, reskilling for many years now, even before the pandemic. Yet, when the pandemic hit, all of these skills gaps were again accentuated. So one might say that, you know, all those efforts to encourage upskilling and reskilling before this weren't 100% successful. Yeah. So what exactly went wrong there? And what are some of those lessons that we can learn in order to ensure that we're not in this position again, you know, where a few years from now, we're we're again talking about a massive skills gap that needs to be bridged. Well, that, that's a million-dollar question, Bradley. Now, in my mind, the skills gap will always be there, regardless of how much effort all of us put in. And that's really because of the ever-changing economic environment. Mm. And of course, I mean, over the last two years, the health environment actually impacted the economic environment. And it, it actually drives the, the acceleration of a digital transformation in many industries and many organizations. And as a result, while we are actually making headways in addressing the skills gap, especially in relation to digital skills and digital roles, the pandemic has actually accelerated the need to move even faster and further. And therefore, there is a need for us to really, really emphasize on how we can accelerate the momentum in people picking up new skills, getting ready. But at the same time, employers also need to make sure that they put in their own efforts to upskill and re-skill the, the people because even if, let's say, people are ready to take on the new roles now, give another six months to one year, the underlying skills may change. And therefore, they need to make sure that they upskill them all the time so that they can be relevant as they transform the organization. This does mean that you might have to look beyond just the, the people hiring, but also HR policy in that if you add in the complexities of hybrid working, where hybrid working, and I'm just suggesting here, where hybrid working can allow X amount of hours a week for upgrading yourself, that could go a long way in enticing people to join the companies. In other words, stop waiting for the government. The corporates need to step up and, and do things. Oh, indeed, indeed. In fact, you know, all of us have been through working from home. And at the same time, from our data, we also realize that people who are primarily working from home right now need the social connection. Okay. And, and that's where hybrid yeah. work in hopefully the post-pandemic world makes a lot of sense. Right. But the, the challenge of hybrid work is uh, how do you balance mm. personal wellness and professional development? need for communications and collaboration. And therefore, I think it's really, the onus is really on, again, both the employers 
to ensure that we have the right policies, the right supports for the employees to uh, be ready and to be productive, but productive, sustainably productive and happily productive as the environment changes. Right, right. So HR also has to change a little bit. Has There has to be a lot of psychology involved in that the hiring, as you mentioned, is no longer plug and play, but stage of life type of hiring. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, we're seeing a huge emphasis by HR mm. in the area of personal wellness, in the area of employee engagements. And there's a lot of focus on how HR, together with business leaders, can create a um, diverse an equitable as well as an inclusive environment for people both while working in the workplace as well as working remotely. And I think, you know, we have, if you're able to, to do that, and again, it's a learning journey as we navigate through the, the economic changes. But if companies are able to do that with a combination of great HR practices and great leadership, I think, you know, the future is bright for all of us. Here's the thing, Frank, we're also seeing a great number of employers now struggling to retain their talent and struggling to also attract top talent because, of course, job seekers are pivoting more. Uh, some people are re-evaluating their priorities and job hopping as well. So what would you recommend to these employers in order to be able to more easily attract the top talent that they need amid a skills shortage, amid a labor shortage, and also to retain all of these people moving forward? I mean, it's got to go beyond just higher wages, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, we are seeing uh, what called the great resignation or the great reshuffle. And from the workers' end, People are, like you say, reevaluating what they want in life beyond just money. And they're more willing to work for organizations whose purpose is aligned with their personal life purpose. And at the same time, uh, they're also more willing to consider work-life balance, or some people call it work-life harmony, doing the work so that they can balance between you know, what they do personally with what they do professionally. So on the employer side, it's important for business leaders to look at what the company does beyond, like you say, just making money. It has to be, there has to be a greater purpose, uh, a sustainable purpose in what the company does. And it has to be bigger than, you know, the bottom line of the organization. And if business leaders are able to define that and share with both their employees as well as potential employees, you can see that many people will be willing to take on some of these roles. And at the same time, employee wellness employee experience is going to be more and more important. So both business leaders and HR need to look at how they can build a, um, you know, a, a inclusive environment for everyone, regardless of age, regardless of family situation, so that people can feel that they're working for, first of all, a bigger cause, and secondly, for companies that look after them. And if such foundations are laid well, then you know, the question of continuing to upskill and reskill to be loyal to the organization, to help the organization navigate through the ups and downs of economic cycles. I think this will naturally happen. Thank you very much for that, Frank. Frank Koo is Head of Talent Solutions Asia at LinkedIn. Thanks for joining us on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.